You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting. I'm a former executive director and nonprofit consultant with three decades of experience. I'm the founder of the Intentional Leaders Community, where I help nonprofit executives who are overextended at work and home to regain time, reduce stress, and lead strategically so they can live a life they love at work and at home. And I'm here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset and clarity and we're going to learn quite a bit about that today on the podcast as we are joined by Rochelle Marie Lawson. Now Michelle Marie is a registered nurse, Ayurvedic health practitioner, holistic health and wellness consultant, international best-selling author of the book Intro to Holistic Health, Ayurveda Style, speaker and radio host of the weekly podcast Blissful Living. Rochelle Marie believes that health and wellness can be achieved holistically by anyone wanting to improve their lives by incorporating Ayurveda, meditation, and yoga practices. And she is on a mission to bring peace to our minds, wellness to our bodies, and tranquility to our spirits. Frankly, I'm all in for that, Rochelle Marie. Um, And she says that her mission is to help us achieve build and sustain wellness and wealth through the power of wisdom so that we can live the life of our dreams. Join thousands of others and learn the secrets to happiness, joy, peace, prosperity, success, and well-being, including vitality and bliss. One of the things when I was researching Rochelle Marie is something that she prides herself on. She prides herself on keeping holistic health and wellness simple by allowing her clients to relax their minds, rejuvenate their bodies, and bring health and wellness easily into their lives. Doesn't that sound great, especially when we're in a state right now of being uh, more stressed and tense than we typically are? Well, Rochelle actually has a lot of experience doing that. She has spent over 25 years assisting people to achieve optimal health and well-being, as well as to have success mindsets that allow them to build their wealth as they live the life of their dreams. And not just live it, but live it with more energy, more vitality, clarity, alertness, focus, determination, happiness, joy, and peace. So we're going to dig into that in this episode as I ask Rochelle Marie about why Ayurvedic and holistic health is becoming more popular through its natural healing abilities how she specifically helps people improve their mental, physical, and emotional well-being. And we're going to discuss her own journey and the path that led her to where she is now. I'm going to ask her to dive in a little bit deeper to explain to me and probably to some of you who may not know what Ayurvedic health and wellness therapies are, and then what working with a holistic health expert involves, and how our mental state and personal self-acceptance affect our outcomes in business and life. So with that as a lead-in, let me just say I am very excited to introduce you to Michelle Marie Lawson, also known as the Queen of Feeling Fabulous. So hi, Michelle Marie. Hello, how are you? I'm great, and it's great to have you on the show. Um, But before we dive all the way in, the No Labels, No Limits audience and I want to know 
Is there a non-negotiable ritual or habit that you have every day that keeps you heading towards your big vision? Yeah, so um, what I do um, every day is when I wake up, I, um, I do a meditation. And sometimes it's five minutes long. Sometimes it's 30 minutes long. It's just however and whatever I need to do at that time in the morning, I do. And then I also um, spend at least 20 minutes reading and 20 minutes writing. And so it's probably about an hour encompassing all that time of those things that I do, um, that I do every day before I start my day. And it kind of gives me a sense of groundedness, um, direction, purpose, focus, all of those things that uh, helps me to be a taskmaster during the day. <laughs> Yeah, your own taskmaster. So um, how long have you been doing that practice? Uh, probably, whew, I'm trying to think, probably 30 years. So a while now. Yeah. A while yeah. now. Yeah, and you've noticed some benefits from it. Yeah, I mean, there was times when I had my kids that I I, I still did it, but it, it, you know, of course, it got a little bit more. Uh, I had to be a little bit more strategic with it. But if I didn't do it, or if I didn't do what I, you know, whether it was a meditation, reading, writing, if I didn't do that, it somehow my it just didn't. I didn't feel complete to start the day, so I'd have to dip off, maybe hide in the bathroom or something, and do at least whatever I didn't complete, whether it was the writing or the reading, um, so that I felt that completion and uh, that slump, and then I was grounded to go forth in the day. Well, you know what's great about that, Rochelle Marie, is that you didn't have to, you didn't do it like a all or nothing, like I have to do it perfectly or I failed, right? It's like, I'll do this, then I'll catch up. Um, but you, because you had that habit or that muscle, right, from the practice, it, it did feel incomplete without doing it. So I think that's a good takeaway just from listening is that it doesn't have to be perfect, but we do need to do it. Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. It's like if you always used to put in, when you put your pants on, if you always used to put in your right leg in first, and then all of a sudden you put your left leg in, well, first, you still get the same results. Left leg goes in first, the right leg goes in. But for some reason, you just kind of feel off kilter a little bit, even though your pants are on and everything is fine. It's just, just the same kind of concept. So you just have to make it work and go with it. And, yeah. you know, it just doesn't feel right. Yes. <laughs> I get it. And I've had that very experience today, you know, and I was like moving. My husband goes, what is going on with you? I says, I'm off. You know, and I'm thinking I'm off because I didn't start my day the way I normally do. Right. So um, I own it. It's on me. But you're right. I will complete my ritual today because I don't want to go to bed feeling off. So yes. um, let's start at kind of the beginning. You know, I know that you have a huge background in uh, as a, a regular medical health provider, as well as a holistic health provider. Can you talk more about your background and the journey that led you to what you are doing today? Oh, sure. So <clears throat> I'm a registered nurse and an Ayurvedic uh, nurse practitioner. And my um, area of expertise when it comes to medicine is emergency room trauma medicine. Um, did that for many, 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 many years and just fell into it when I graduated from nursing school, my first nursing degree, graduated. And that was the only place that had a job um, available at the time. And so I was a little apprehensive. But then once I got in there, I absolutely loved it and didn't want to work anywhere else, which was funny because when I was in nursing school, I wanted to be a labor and delivery nurse. But when I got out of school, there was no jobs in labor and delivery. So I'm like, emergency room and, and and what the blessing was for me was that i got to take care of everything i got to deliver babies in the back seat of the car i got to take care of you know people that were you know centurions so to speak and everybody in between um and and it was great you know and the most beautiful thing i'd have to say about it is that um definitely was in the moment definitely an, an adrenaline junkie but um I liked it because every shift was different and I, you know, had different patients every time I came to work. So it was always a very new, exciting uh, experience, so to speak. You know, the, the medical conditions become pretty much the same. You treat a, 
you know, heart attack the same way, respiratory distress is the same way, you know, certain things the same way. But it was always new and exciting because you just never knew what was going to come through that door. So a little adrenaline junkie, someone who can think on her feet, adapt quickly, makes you the perfect kind of entrepreneur too. So oh we, <laughs> did you always want to go into nursing and medicine? No. So um, how nursing came about real quickly, um, I wanted to be a nurse when I was a kid, but as I went through school, I, you know, was, I was a really good student. And so kind of, you, you kind of get, you know, kind of, uh, nudged in certain directions. So my first college degree from San Diego State is actually in communications and I wanted to be a Connie Chung because I liked what she did and I wanted to, be, so basically I wanted to be a broadcast journalist. And in college I had worked at a, uh, a Channel 11 down in San Diego in college. And when I graduated, I was all ready to, you know, I don't know what my thought was. I was only 20 years old, but I was all ready to, I guess, step in front of the camera and be like a Connie Chung, so to speak. And when they told me that uh, they were going to hire me for the job that I was doing in college that I was actually doing for pittance, I thought, I don't need a four-year degree to do that. And so um, kind of just, you know, curtailed me away curtailed me. So I moved back up to Northern California and I had already been married for two years. My husband was in engineering school. So I decided to go to engineering school and got an electrical engineering degree. And uh, long story short is when I graduated with that degree, I couldn't get a job in Silicon Valley uh, where I'm born and raised because one, it was not the right time for women. It was in the eighties. Two, I was a woman. Three, I was African-American. Four, I looked like I was 12. And uh, five, it was a male-dominated industry. And I would hear, and I interview with every major corporation that you can think of in Silicon Valley. And what I would hear is, oh, you did fabulous, honey. We would love to hire you. Of course, this is a male that had interviewed me. We'd love to hire you. However, you're going to be working with guys that are about your father's age. And so we just got to figure out how to make it comfortable for them. And so I never did get the call and I ended up starting a whole nother business. But in the process of starting that business, I had uh, went back to nursing school. Uh, let me pause, backtrack. I went back to school and got a nursing degree and became a registered nurse and um, started fresh in the emergency department and I absolutely loved it. That is so great. And to have like three degrees and not give up, right? And I mean, I can only imagine how patronized and um, kind of cast off, especially here you are two degrees and an engineering degree is not a slack degree, neither is the others. But I'm thinking that would have maybe gotten some people's hackles up and yet you just go, okay, I'm, I'm getting another, I'm going back to nursing and get this done. So I just, I, you have a lot of like guts and uh, persistence, right? So now I understand that you also had an undiagnosed medical condition that you lived with for 17 years. Can you talk a little bit about that? And did that influence your like curiosity about medicine at all? Uh, so yeah, I would love to talk about my um, experience. So yes, I did suffer from an undiagnosed medical condition for 17 years, beginning at the age of eight. Um, had my first pelvic examination at the age of nine, um, which is unheard of, but because they could not figure out what was going on with my, uh, with me, you know, they were just running me through the gamut of everything, so to speak. Um, and what I was suffering from at the time was my, my stomach just hurt all the time. I was just, just hurt. Just, I just was always in a lot of discomfort all the time. Well, years later, I found out and realized that the condition that started my 17 year journey with health, so to speak, was actually a stress induced condition. Um, and that's why I say stress. And I, and I tell everybody stress is a silent killer and people always deny their stress. But that denial of that stress is silently killing you. It affects every component in our body. Uh, but that's a whole nother, that's a whole nother story. But yes, I figured out that it was a stress-induced condition. And as I age, as I went, you know, from you know being a little kid to preteen and teen, uh, my condition didn't get better, it got worse. 
I saw probably over that time period, probably, I'm going to say close to, I mean, I saw a lot of doctors. So, and I was privy, very blessed to live in Palo Alto, home of Stanford University, as well as Stanford Medical Center. And that's actually where I was born. So I was always at Stanford. They were always trying to figure something out, but they could never do it. And I saw so many doctors over that time period. And they would always be quick to give me some kind of medication to take. But they had no idea what I had. They couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. And it wasn't until I became a nurse myself and I started realizing the symptoms and, and, and things that was happening with me, I was able to figure out exactly what I had. But in the context of that 17-year journey, there were things that I began to incorporate because I just wanted to feel better all the time. But if you would have saw me, you would have never, I probably was the best actress in the world. I should be, I should own an Academy Award right now because um, I would always, fake, put on a good face that I was feeling well, even when I was really sick. And the only people that really saw me suffering was probably, probably the closest to me was really my, my husband, my, my mom, my dad, I, I kind of tried to sugarcoat it for them, especially since, you know, they were, my, my family was always taking me to the doctors. And pretty soon I think they thought was well, just in my head. So um, you know, I, I just tried to just always put on a safe face, but my husband at the time was the only person that saw me really, really suffering. And so, yeah, it was, it was quite an experience, but I think the experience, um, led me to be the phenomenal nurse that I was for my patients in the emergency department and, um, to be super intuitive. And so I'm, uh, unfortunately, sometimes we have to go through, not so pleasant things to evolve or I want to say uh, cocoon on the other side of it so that you can be this beautiful, you know, beautiful butterfly, you know, like the caterpillar actually literally has to die almost. And then on the other side is this beautiful butterfly. And so I think that was just my process of um, allowing me to be the, the great healthcare professional that I am today. Well, I think, first of all, let me, when you talked about you should get an Academy Award, you did put your training together. You were the Connie Chung of faking it, right? Paste a nice smile <laughs> on and go out there and make the public feel, think that you're feeling great. Um, so you did get to do that kind of just in your home front. Um, but I would also imagine, though, like you said, it having those experiences um, you mentioned it helping you be even more intuitive, but I can't imagine how what a benefit it is to you and as someone who has had a health practitioner who says, even though the tests don't show this, tell me what you think and ask actually ask me what is your body telling you is going on. And the first time a health practitioner who was a doctor, an intern, an internist said that to me, I said, really? You're asking me? Yeah, we don't know everything. And my bet is you've got a good good guess of what the issue is. And honestly, it shocked me because mostly it was like, here, I'm going to tell you what's wrong. And he just said, no, I've learned over the years that you probably have a good idea. And if I listen, we'll, we'll know something different. But, you know, I've got a few decades on me and that was abnormal to have that conversation with a healthcare provider. So I would bet that you're patients and the people you work with absolutely love you for that quality. Um, Let's talk a little bit more, would you, about the holistic approach and specifically, um, can you explain when you talk about Ayurvedic health and wellness, what that means? I mean, some of us have heard it, um, but honestly, I don't know all the details and I'm going to act as an advocate for our listeners in the audience who may also not know what it is. And and how that applies to your approach. So Ayurvedic is a beautiful, natural, holistic medical modality that originated in India somewhere between five to 7,000 years ago. It is actually to, believed to be the precursor for all medicine that exists today, whether it's naturopath, uh, homeopath, Chinese traditional medicine, whatever it is, uh, even Western medicine, it is believed to be the precursor for all of that. And the word Ayurveda means the science or knowledge of life. And so what's really beautiful about Ayurveda is the belief um, within Ayurveda is that we're all completely unique individuals. There's not one 
one size fits all type of thing for everyone. And um, the belief is that your dosha, which is your in lang English language, is your body type, is the predominance of your well being. So keeping your dosha in balance, harmonistically, meaning mind, body, spirit, <clears throat> is the best way to never, I shouldn't say never, but the best way to ward off any illness and disease from manifesting in you. So the whole goal is to keep you in balance so that you don't have a, a opening or a pathway or gateway from illness and disease to manifest within you. And that's beautiful. The other thing about Ayurveda is, um, I mean, there's so many things, but one of the things that is absolutely mind boggling to me is your dosha or your body type, so to speak is um is manifested within you at the moment of conception so the moment that sperm or the moment that egg lets that little sperm in and they begin to unite that is when your unique body type your unique dosha exact exact is actually created within you and so when you think about multiple births twins triplets you know sex tuplets all of those just think about all those little eggs, letting those sperms in, and as that that baby, that embryo grows into a fetus and, and baby, um, each of those individuals, even though they may be born at the same time or same day or whatever, each of those little babies has their own unique body type, their own unique body composition, and none of them are the same. And you know, identical twins, even though they might may be identical, they're actually not really identical all the way down genetically. So it's really beautiful um, and it treats individuals as individuals. It doesn't lump you into one specific category because the belief is that we all get to where we are when it, you know, whether it's an illness or disease has manifested in us, we all get there at different points. Now, you may have 17 people with hypertension or high blood pressure, but they all got there by different roots, so to speak. And so Ayurveda looks at the root cause of the illness and looks at to eliminate the root cause of the illness so that you don't have to treat the signs and symptoms. And that's a huge, that's a nugget of gold, so to speak, um, because every other medical modality except for Chinese traditional medicine does not look at the root cause of illness and disease. They look at the signs and symptoms and they treat the signs and symptoms. And so that's what makes Ayurveda so beautiful and so different is because it's looking at the root cause of the illness, the root cause of the imbalance and treating that imbalance so that you don't have those signs of symptoms that are driving you through the roof. Okay. Now I've got some more questions for you because that is intriguing to me. And you talked about the three body types, the three doshas. And I want to go back and let's pretend we have triplets. Right, so I'm one of the three and I've got two siblings and we all have different body types. I know we could have similar body types, but let's just say we all have different body types. Can you talk about what the three doshas or body types are and how, and pick any kind of condition that's common that people would typically come to you for, how it might manifest differently in me than my siblings. Um, and what I'm getting at is like, why if if like we all have hypertension or we all have x kind of experience why what you might prescribe or work with me at the root cause level might be different from my siblings okay sure so with regards to the three body types and when i say three body types i'm going to say the first dosha is vata vata can, is um, comprised of mostly air and ether um so it's very when you think of the wind that's a vata um, pitta is comprised of fire and earth. And when you think of uh, a pitta dosha, you think they're, you know, think of fire, transformative. And then the third body type is kappa, and kappa is comprised of earth and water. And so um, those are the three main body types. Now, everybody, most everybody is comprised of all three. 
but there's one that's your primary, one that's your secondary, and one that's your tertiary, or you may just have one that's your primary and one that's your secondary. So the way to find out what your body type is, you can take various quizzes. I have a quiz um, on my website you can take, and um, but you can take various quizzes. You can see an Ayurvedic practitioner, Ayurvedic physician, and they can help you dis discover what your unique body type is. Now, for me, my body type, I'm a pitta. I'm very fiery, and, um, and, and that's my predominant body type. I'm a pitta, vata, and I have a little bit of kapha. So pitta, very fiery, and I'll tell you, just give you some characteristics with regards to pitta. Pittas are generally medium body type, um, generally tend to have um, the, you know, muscular, more athletic type of body types, um, very um, either olive or they tan real easy, generally brown eyes. Um, you know, I'm trying to think, when you think of a, and I'm trying to think of some athlete that I that comes to the top of my head, and of course I can't think of anybody right now that'd be, you know, but when you think of a pitta, you're going to see the person that is generally that athletic type of person. They look very fit. You know, they generally have brown hair. They have nice medium lips, nice, you know, nice, you know, like medium-sized nose, big, sometimes they have big eyes from the medium eyes dark eyes, uh, tans easily, just just that person. And then the Vata body types uh, tend to be um, very long and lean and thin. They have thin noses, thin lips. They tend to be really fair, complected, uh, fair hair. So you think of a blonde, um, I'm thinking like a this she just comes to my mind. Paris Hilton. Paris Hilton is is a more 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 most likely would be like a Vata body type. Um, or another gal that would come to mind is Venus Williams. Venus Williams is the tennis player. She's long and lean and um, you know uh, small nose. You know smaller eyes. That type of person. Um, that's a Vata body type. Just and these are just basic generals. Not every characteristic, but I'm just giving people a rough, rough ideal. Um, and then a Kapha body. But that's body really helpful to do that because people can start to at least get in their head. Go, okay, I get it. So when I think of Venus Williams, I think about her being more fine boned than her yes. sister. Um, yes. She moves differently. They're yes. obviously both very athletic and capable. Right. But they just different. Total different body types, which is a great example because a Kappa body type, which is, remember, comprised of earth and water, is more like Serena. Serena Williams is a perfect example of a Kappa body type. They tend to be the heavier people. Um, they tend to have thick hair, you know, fuller lips, fuller nose, big eyes, um, a lot more meat on them, so to speak. And not necessarily being overweight, but just a lot, they have a lot more earth on them, so to speak. And so Serena Williams is a great example of um, someone with a Kappa body type because, you know, and all three body types can be very athletic, very fit, you know, you know, like Venus Williams is very athletic, but totally different than her sister Serena when you look at them in stature and everything. And so, um, and then, you know, you have like a Paris Hilton, who's also very lean and, you know, fair and she's blonde and, you know, very flighty and airy. And not only do the doshas go with the person's body type, but it goes with their mentality as well. So that's all that that we can talk about in a little bit. But for the most part, the, everyone's comprised of at least two of the doshas and most likely three. Um, and it's all about finding out where the imbalance is in the dosha, where that gateway has opened up with regards to whatever illness condition somebody's suffering within um, and then figure it out okay now that is the area that's in balance or these are the areas that are out of balance we need to get those in balance so that we can get rid of this disease or illness so what are some of the therapies so i know you talked about not just throwing drugs or um, medicines at it so what would be some of the practices or therapies um, for someone who is out of balance? Um, and you can create a situation if it helps us understand it easier. 
but what okay. might someone do to get back in balance to cure or eliminate what they're experiencing? So it, so the thing I want to let people know is most often people come into me or any holistic practitioner, um, they're so bound up in Western medicine. So they're expecting you to give them a pill to take away the signs and symptoms. And um, I have to tell people that you didn't manifest this illness overnight. So why would you expect it to go away overnight? Your body's been talking to you for a very long time as it's trying to tell you that if you don't change your ways, the illness is going, there's something that's going to manifest. Think about when you start to overeat, like with what we're in the situation and, you know, everybody's in right now and they're just chowing down, you know, and the, the word is the quarantine 15, right? Well, you're not going to gain that 15 pounds overnight. But over a course of period, over a course of time, you know, where you were back in March, you may not be at that point on the scale anymore, right? But it was a, it's a gradual process. And the same thing happens with illness and disease. Our body is always talking to us. The more we don't listen to it, the louder it gets. And the louder is by the signs and symptoms it exhibits. So with regards to um, specific treatment, first of all, Someone's coming to an Ayurvedic practitioner, they're going to have an assessment, a complete assessment. You're going to figure out where, what doshas your predominant, your secondary, your tertiary. They're going to know what your mind dosh is, how you, your, I like to say your, um, your emotional element is, because the body dosha and the emotional element or your mind dosha can be completely different. I could be a pitta body type but a vata mind, you know, emotional element or vice versa. So a healthcare practitioner that practices Ayurveda is going to find out specifically where you are in those arenas, because that's the starting point. And then based on whatever symptoms you're experiencing, they're going to dig deeper into what is causing those symptoms and where the imbalance is within you. So for instance, one of the things that people come to me um, is about, with regards to me, help, me helping them is one stress. But the other thing is um, hypertension or high blood pressure. And in Western medicine, the old remedy is you come in, you have a high, you, they do your blood pressure, you come in three times. If you have your blood pressure elevated, they want to put you on some nice drug like Cinepril, hydrochlorothiazide, but they're going to give that to the next hundred people that walk through the door the exact same prescription. In Ayurveda, I may see three people all come in back to back to back uh, with hypertension, but they all got there differently. Sometimes there's a cardiac issue. Sometimes you're just stressed. Sometimes you may have uh, something functioning in your kidney that's off. Um, sometimes it could be a whole gastrointestinal thing that's causing um, that's circumventing on another, say, your circulatory system causing you to have an elevated blood pressure. So I'm going to find out exactly what is going on within your body systems. And then once we figure that out, then we can curtail by planning, setting up basically your plan of care, your care plan. Same thing they do in med Western medicine, but setting up your care plan for you to follow, which may include some, some things such as you got to change your diet. You know, you're eating all the wrong foods for your dosha, which is why you're having some of these problems. Um, you've got to change some of the things you do with regards to how you're living your life, whether it's how you handle stress, how you, you know, what you do at work, um, your emotional state. You, you got to do some things to change that. You Most often, everyone that that seeks me out is going to have to do a detoxification because we got to get rid of as many toxins in you as possible. Um, because we got to, we want to start with a more clean slate versus starting with a slate that's full of sludge. And we're just building on top of that. We want to erase as much of that sludge and start with a clean slate as possible. Um, and then, you know, we go forward on there. There may be some body therapies that you need to do consistently uh, there may be herbs you need to take, essential oils that you need to incorporate, um, other other mindful practices, breathing exercise. There's a yoga practices. There's there's an abundance of things, but it's all geared in and designed based on one what the client is looking for, the the person is looking for, um, to 
me knowing what they can handle and how much I can, how much or how little I should give them to do and gradually working them into it. And, um, and three, it really is all about what they truly want. What is it they truly, truly want? Now, everybody's not going to be a fit for Ayurveda because if you're not going to do what is suggested, you're not going to receive the results and you're going to think it's hooey balooey science, but it really isn't. It really gets down into the seven layers of what our body is made of and really helps to balance all of those seven layers, particularly when you're working with someone that's focused on your specific dosha and has discovered where your imbalances lie. So during this time where we've, you know, travel and in-person has been reduced and eliminated entirely in some areas, it just depends on where in the world or the U.S. you're living, how are you doing your work? Are you able to work with people remotely? It was discovered that I could serve more people by doing it remotely. So I've been, been doing it virtual remotely for quite a long time before this has forced us all into that. Um, however, with regards to my specific therapies that I do, uh, people actually do have to come to see me to get those very specific, deep, deep treatments, particularly if they're really wanting a deep detoxification. There's a beautiful therapy called Panchakarma uh, that involves a very, very deep detoxification, meaning getting into the seven layer tissues in the body and detoxifying them. So they do have to come to me for that as well as a bliss therapy treatment. But other than that, everything else is done remotely. So you can do the assessment and all of that and get people started remotely. Yes, yes, yes. So if I'm correct, your perfect client, the perfect person is someone who is motivated, who knows they want to make a change and will follow through on the suggestions. Yes, yes. You have to... You know, I tell people, I'm, I'm super healthy, uh, you know, so it's not all about me. I don't care if you do it or not. However, if you don't do it, you're not going to see any changes. And obviously, you want to see a change. This is why you've sought me out. Um, so obviously, you want to see a change. So you got to do a little bit of work. And I can take it and give you as much or as little as I feel you're possibly able to handle, but I will never give you too much where it becomes overwhelming and there are certain body types that want it all but then it becomes too overwhelming and then they don't do anything and so again that assessment we do in the very beginning which one discovers your emotional element and two your body type your dosha is key to helping that client or you know person to be super successful with the strategy the plan the blueprint that not i create that we create together to help them to correct their health and well-being. So what can I expect when I go and get on your website and take the body type quiz? Do I get my results or um, how does that work? So if you go to um, yourunikebodytype.com, you take the quiz, you answer the questions, and then you get immediate results as to what exactly your dosha type is, your body type is. And along with that, you'll get certain foods that you should be eating for your body type to keep your body type balanced. Um, you'll get other, uh, other bits of information um, that you can utilize to keep your emotional element balanced. Um, really, really a wealth of information that you can begin to utilize in your life just from that and making a change in your life with regards to, you know, your eating, the way you think, the way you do things, the things you should be doing, you know, detoxifications, which detoxification program is right for you. Should you do a juice cleanse? Should you do a full on panchakarma? You know, all of that information, you'll get a lot of information when you take the, your unique body type uh, quiz. Well, yeah. I'll be taking it because I'm very curious. I have a guess of how I might show up, like my primary and secondary, but I could be way off, so I'm not putting it out there. Um, but I want to take it. Well, I do. And then when you talked about the um, like the emotional and the body not necessarily being identical, I'm going, oh, interesting. So I'm very curious. But also, you've given us with the information that comes back in the test, there's no excuse not to start towards um, better health and wellness on, you know, on our own, if we can't reach out to you right away. For sure. For sure. I, you know, 
I say start somewhere, but you gotta start, you know. It's like if you've never if you if you've gotten where <laughs> the quarantine fifteen is the quarantine fifty-five, so to speak, and you wanna <laughs> you wanna get out and you know, get some exercise, but you just don't feel okay, start just by putting on your sneakers. And then, okay, the next step, okay, you got your sneakers on, you know, you might want to take off your pretty dress or, your, you know, whatever, and put on, you know, a comfortable t-shirt. Next, okay, how about step outside and take a nice big breath of fresh air? So you got your sneakers on, you got your clothes on that you, you know, you're not, you're no longer work clothes, so to speak, that you can lounge around casual clothes. You're outside, well, now that you're outside and you're taking that breath of fresh air, why don't you just go for a walk around the block? Okay, and then extend that walk to two walks around the block. Okay, now let's work it up to a mile, two miles. And, and that's how it all begins. It's, you can't just jump into the pool, right, you know, if you've never been to a pool, right? You can't jump in the pool and expect to swim. You got to start very slowly and gradually, and eventually, you know, it'll work. For instance, I have this sweet, I have this I have a sugar addiction. Yes, 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 I do. And so, <laughs> yes, there, so I'm going to tell you about this. And I don't do this anymore, but there was a time when, you know, my little monthly visitor was coming and she would just wreak havoc on me. I would want sweets and then I would want salty, sweet, salty. I knew I was in out of, you know, I was suffering from an imbalance. Like what is, what is going on? So I had this thing where I would, go buy a snicker a snicker bar and um you know i wouldn't get like the well back in our day they were big snicker bars right well, i know exactly what you're talking about the king size ones yeah that was regular for us back in our days yes it right? was yeah now okay so i would get the king size snicker bar and i would eat one of those every night and i did that for like three months and i started noticing my booty was getting bigger you know, hips spreading out, you know, but it had became such a habit that I was like, well, I, you know, I want my sticker. And then if I, and then if, you know, my, my little monthly girlfriend was coming, then it was like, I'd eat the sticker and then I want a bag of Lay's potato chips. Total teenage, bad, horrible diet, right? I remember living off of that, you know, um, in high school, probably why I had more stomach aches, but, but I realized, okay. I need to make a change because this is not good. It's not good. It's not gonna. It's not gonna do anything beneficial for me in in the long run. So I gradually would not eat the whole king size. I'd cut it. You know, I'd cut it in half, and then I would eat just half, and I was satisfied. I wouldn't eat the whole bag of Lay's potato chips, and I would get the king size bag. I'd get you know the regular snack lunch size bags you put in the kids lunch and then I was satisfied then it got down to I just eat a quarter of the sticker and a little and 10 chips then it got down to no sticker no chips and eventually you know those little excess pounds that was growing on me all went away but it was a gradual process and sometimes these things that we've been doing these habits these very bad habits we've been doing them for so long we don't even know that they're bad habits we don't so, even recognize it, right? We just do it. It's automatic. Exactly. Exactly. It's just breaking the cycle, you know, just breaking the cycle of that. And you've got to give yourself some grace. You know, like you said, you didn't stop the snicker bar all at once. It's like, let's do what I can do and be successful at it and mm -hmm. take it a bit at a time. Yep. Set, you got to set yourself up for success. Otherwise, we so often have grandiose visions about what we want to do and we jump out, you know, we jump off the plane without the, before we have the parachute, so to speak, thinking, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll just skydive and fly. But, you know, um, in, in, a, in a gist of enthusiastic and excitement. But when we do that and things don't work as quickly as we want them to or they don't work at all, it's like, okay, why isn't this working? I'll just go back to my old ways. But the problem is we jump too soon and take step number 10 before we've even done step one through nine. And that's where the failure comes in. And so my job is to guide people from step 
one, to make sure they're comfortable and they've got that solidified and it becomes a part of them to step two and so on so that they are successful. And when they get to step 10 and they look back, they're like, oh yeah, I'm super successful. Remember those blood pressure issues I had? Well, guess what, girl? My blood pressure is, you know, low or, you know, it's, it's under the limit. And, you know, so, and that's a beautiful, it's beautiful for me to see, but it's beautiful to see that in the person when they've had success. And, um, and I think that is my reward. Even when I was in the emergency department, not everything was, you know, or doing trauma or flying to uh, accident location to pick up somebody that's pretty much, you know, broken and, you know, get them back to emergency. My thing was to be able to just see that person and realize that um, it's not the big thing. I'm not going to, I may not be able to save their life. But the time that I spend with them and the little details that I, I do to make sure that I'm giving them the best care possible is, is enough reward for me. And it's really beautiful when that person comes back and calls you, calls you out in the middle of the night, your night shift, because they want to thank you for spending time with them or teaching them something or showing them something or talking to them or just taking care of them and being at their side, holding their hand. And so that is the reward. Um, that I like to see and when I, my clients are successful whatever it is that they're trying to accomplish or want to accomplish that is what warms my heart and that's what that's when I know that I'm doing what exactly what I'm supposed to be doing uh, which is to help people to elevate their health and well-being. Rochelle Marie you are an inspiration and I had a little picture in my head when you talked about someone coming back on shift in the middle of the night to call you out for what you did for them and I think about like how powerful that is when we do that for ourselves. Like we have a coach like you, a practitioner like you that helps us do that for ourselves so that we can, you know, love and have acceptance for ourselves and do the best for ourselves. So the work you do in the world is so important. And I, I just want to thank you for all of the time you've given us today. Um, and I want to ask you, what is the best place for people to find you and reach out to you, especially those who are ready to um, get a grip on what's going on with their health, address their stress, and live up to their health and wellness potential. So everyone can find me on social media. You know, you can look for me, and most likely you'll find me on social media as Rochelle Lawson. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, but also my website, you can go to blissful living, the number four and the letter u.com. And on that site, you'll find out so much um, that I have to offer with regards to, I like to call them the three W's because that's what I focus on. And um, the three W's are, you know, very instrumental in our lives. I say they are our greatest assets. And so if I piqued your curiosity as to what the three W's are, let me just share with you. You mentioned it when you were doing the bio for me. And uh, the three W's are your greatest asset is your health and well-being. You can have all the money in the world, but if you don't have health and well-being, you can't enjoy that money. So number one greatest asset is your health and well-being. Next is wealth. And wealth is not what we always think it means. It's not always monetary to people. Some people, their health is their greatest wealth. Um, and they tend to elevate that and connect it to some people, relationships are their greatest wealth, you know, their career. Their, so it's not always necessarily money, but whatever that wealth is for you, we elevate that and we connect the wealth, wellness to the wealth through wisdom, wisdom, your mindset, greatest asset. Number three, without the wisdom, you can't go forth and do whatever it is you're meant to do or want to do um, because uh, you won't have the wherewithal to do it. And so it's all about changing your mindset. If you're fearful, if you, if you want to learn how to be fearless, if you, you know, if you're challenged and you want to learn how to succeed through challenges, if you want to learn how to persevere, if you want to embrace the wisdom of the holistic principles of Ayurveda when it comes to utilizing your mind, that is for all falls under the wisdom. So those are our three greatest assets. And if you talk to any elderly person, they will share the same information with you. And I got this 
oh, close to 30 plus years ago when I was a f first became a nurse and I had a patient that was 94 years old, little old lady having a heart attack. And I'm just chatting with her and her family's all worried and me and her just chatting it up. And she was the one that said, wellness, wisdom, and wealth are your greatest assets. You can be... You can be dumb, broken, blind, but if you value wellness, wisdom, and wealth, you'll have a heart of gold and you'll be able to always live the life of your dreams. And that stuck with me. And, and so here it is today. Wow. What a great way to wrap the podcast. And I have a request of all of our listeners. Actually, I have a couple. One, if you learned something and had took away at least one powerful thing from Rochelle Marie, please post it in the comments below so that other people will see it. But also take this podcast, rate and review it, and then more importantly, share it with someone else who you think would benefit from, from Rochelle Marie's um, experience and the work that she does in the world today. Because my goal is to reach as many people as possible so that they can lead a no labels, no limits life. And the only way I can do that is with your help um, to spread the word. So on that note, and Rochelle Marie, we are going to do a follow-up on the Steve Jobs story. So yeah. um, people want to hear that story, put it in the comments, say Rochelle Marie, <laughs> Steve Jobs, and we'll get her back sooner even. So um, thank you so much. And I really appreciate your time on the podcast today. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I love talking about this. As you can tell, I can talk forever, but I love talking about this. And I just want to share one more negative goal. If you are stuck in your house and you're wondering how can you start shedding that quarantine 15 or whatever, you're stressed or your family's getting on your nerves, kids driving you crazy, whatever. Remember the story I shared, go outside, take some nice long deep breaths and start taking a walk. Whether you start for five minutes, 10 minutes, gradually work that out because how you are at the beginning of the walk, you will transform during your walk. And at the end of that walk, you will come out and be a much better person, not only in your mind, your body will feel good. And, um, and those around you will feel better too. And they'll be so grateful. They won't know your secret, but, um, but you will have a good key to just release all of that that might be hampering you from being perfectly balanced. I totally agree. All right, folks. See you next week on the Next Week Podcast. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits Podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.